hey, it's a beautiful day in the city of Chicago, and I hope it's a great day where you are. Believe me, I hope it's a great day, and I hope everybody's feeling up. I hope everybody's feeling pumped to get out here and vote blue, to get these scoundrels out of Washington and out of the White House and out of Congress. Um, I really don't have to say much about what went on yesterday uh, with Trump and Putin at this summit. I mean, it was all televised, and you know, Trump said some things that were treasonous. And now he's not apologizing for what he said, or he's just saying he misspoke. Yeah, Trump is saying, I misspoke. I, I didn't. Trump, Trump, excuse me. Trump never misspeaks. Never, ever misspeaks. And he never apologizes for when he says something. The guy said what he said when he said what he said, and he meant it. The fact that he got his ass ripped when he was on his way back to America is when he changed it. Somebody wrote another speech for him or told him to backtrack or America is uh, coming after your ass because we want you out of there for being a traitor to this country, and that's what he is. Trump can say he misspoke all he wants to. Trump did not misspeak. Anybody who's been following this guy and listening to his bull crap, listening to him talk out of his butt, know that Trump meant every single word as he was dis, dissing America and praising our enemy, Russia, and its Russian president, Putin. We know that for a fact. There's no way he can kind of climb out of this. And the only way he, he's not going to be uh, impeached is because of the um, Republicans. A lot of them are going to buy this. American people are not going to buy it. American people is not going to buy this garbage, you know, uh, that he misspoke. Give me a break. I mean, if you look at if you look at the Constitution, and a lot of people should look at the Constitution. I think it's Section Two. Is it Section Two? Let's see. Um, section One here. Section Two. Okay, section two, 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 two. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, oh, yeah, section, uh, article two, not section two for folks, but article two and section four says impeachment and removal from office for crimes. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. That means that everybody uh, uh, around him can also be impeached for the same crime that he, for the crime that he committed, which is treason. There's no doubt about it. This man is treasonous. And I don't care if the Republicans see it that way. They're not going to, they're not going to impeach him. They're not going to, but I do think that being a, treacherous traitor is fueling more fire for special counsel Robert Mueller. Because everything that Trump does, everything that, everything that comes out of his mouth, he's feeding uh, Mueller. Mueller's going to look into this. He's not going to back off because Trump said he misspoke when we all know that he did not. Mueller knows he didn't misspeak. Comey knows he didn't misspeak. The Democrats knows he did not misspeak. 
as some of the Republicans know that he did not misspeak, but some of them going to lie and going to defend him on this. I mean, you got Fox News. Uh, my understanding, you have Fox News already trying to figure out a way how to blame this on Democrats. Democrats fed, <laughs> uh, gave him the fed him the wrong question, gave him a, a rigged question that that he, you know, didn't figure out and uh, stuff like that. You know, uh, Fox News is trying to figure out a way to probably, maybe even blame it on Obama. But still and all, he did not misspeak, folks. I mean, some people are going to say, well, he misspoke, so we should forgive Trump is a pathological liar. I know some people out there, they have great hearts. They have great feelings for forgiving someone. But Trump is someone you can't forgive. Trump said he misspoke. He's just throwing meat out there to his face. He's throwing meat out there to me and you because we want to see him uh, arrested for treason and held on high and imprisoned. And everybody who's agree agree with him, he did not misspeak. If you want to think that he misspoke, and you want to you feel that you should forgive him for that, then he's taking advantage of you. We know how much Trump lies. We know how much he bullshits. We know how much he talks out of his ass. We know how much he wants to destroy this country. We know how much he loves Russia. Even before this summit, even before this summit, he had a hard time trying to not to say that Russia had nothing to do with this 2016 election. Before this summit, he was saying he was in he was in love with Putin. Before it. He couldn't say that. He couldn't say Putin had anything to do with the election. But now that the American people are ripping his ass open, he's going to say he misspoke. Because this is very, very serious. A traitor to your own country. Donald Trump has always been a traitor to, to America. He's always said he's always said things that made him traitorous. Even before this even before this summit. I know this. Other Republicans and Democrats knows this. Uh, 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 grassroots uh, Democrats knows the same thing. And independents. We all know that this guy meant what he said. He's just trying to not go to jail for treason. And the Republicans are going to grant him that. because Just because Donald Trump said that he misspoke, we're supposed to forget it. A lot of Republicans are going to forget it, and they're going to move on. But there is a midterm coming up in a, a three or four months from now, midterms, and there will be a blue wave. This just added more fire to the blue wave. That's all it's done. And the only way the Republicans can save their asses is to get this guy out, but they're not going to. Even if it costs them their jobs, they're not going to do anything about this traitorous prick, this imbecile, this idiot, this fool in our White House who constantly, constantly lies. But I can tell you this, Trump is a coward. This man is a coward. I mean, if you believe that Russia did not hack our elections and you sided with them, what the hell? Why can't you admit that again? And again and again, 
stand up for what you believe in. But he was he was so scared he was going to go to jail, and he was, and he still can. But we don't. But we have a complicit Congress. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of them going to say, and that's one of the things about the Republicans, folks. They'll say, well, what Trump did is awful. What Trump did is awful. We won't. We don't agree with them on that. But yet they will not do anything about it. They will use him to sign their legislation in the law. With all of these uh, uh, investigations surrounding Donald Trump, there's no way he should be able to sign any executive order, appoint anyone to the Supreme Court, until all these investigations are over. If this was a Democrat, I, I don't know. I guess it's another. It's a. Um, it, it, it's one way for the Democrats, and it's, and it's another way for the Republicans, which I think is wrong. I think it's wrong. If this was a Dem uh, behaving the way Trump behaves, he would have gotten this far. That Dem would have been impeached, thrown out of office long ago. If the Republicans keep this fool, this clown, this idiot in office for their own gain. They need Donald Trump to sign their dirty work, dirty work in, into law. That's why he's still there. And a lot of them, they're going to be quitting and leaving their jobs. Some people, some of the Democrats, I mean, some Republicans are already quitting because of what Donald Trump said uh, in Finland, standing right beside Putin. And there are so many people out here saying that was a disgrace. That was a disgrace. And it was. And there's people who's, who's saying Donald Trump is not the leader of the free world anymore. Just because he went and said he misspoke. Folks, we know that fool did not misspeak. He said what he said. He believed in what he was saying. And he said it. If you look at the video you'll see that this guy knowing what he's saying and he's saying, and he's putting the United States down while lifting up food. And then when he gets his, and then when he gets his ass ripped, he goes and say, I misspoke as if that's going to make everything all right. It's not because we know what a liar he is. Remember, Donald Trump doesn't apologize about anything. But he knew that he better do this. He, someone, one of his aides or people around him, when he, when he got back to Washington, told him he better retract it or he better backtrack because the American people were after his ass. And we still are after his ass because we've been calling. We've been calling saying impeach this guy, kick this guy out of office and lock him up. We have been vigilant about that. And we're going to keep on doing that. Even though the Republicans, they're not listening, they're not answering the phones, calls are not getting through. A lot of the calls are getting through. They are getting through. And the message is getting to, to these Republicans to kick this guy out of office. Not only for this display, but also for the display, the awful, disgraceful dis, disgrace of a display that he put on in London with the Queen. He just, this, 
every bus. I mean, this guy totally, totally embarrasses America. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I know some people are going to say, you know, I mean, you got people out here that, well, George, forgive him. He, he said he misspoke. And you believe it. George, you really hate Donald Trump, don't you? The world hates Donald Trump. The world despises him. And I've said this many times. I don't know how the guy keeps functioning. I mean, with all this, with all the shit that's surrounding him, how could you not want to resign and go somewhere and relax <laughs> and try to unwind all the stress that I'm sure a lot of this is bringing on? If you look at Donald Trump today, and look at his face. He looks 10 years older. The stress is getting to him. It's mounting, especially this investigation that, was, that we're still going through. So, folks, if you, you have any feelings, you have any remorse for Donald Trump because he said he misspoke, you're the one that's being made a fool of. Because he's out to cut your Social Security. He's out to cut your Medicare. He's out to cut Medicaid. He's out to cut your food stamps, your rental subsidies. So I would, I would probably say uh, do not have much remorse for this guy. Because Donald Trump says one thing today, and he'll say an entire different thing the next, or the next week. And you will feel like a fool. It has happened. It has happened. All right, you've been listening to the George Walker Jr. Show. We're talking about Donald Trump and his Putin summit meeting. And uh, a lot of people are saying he just betrayed America. It is July 16th, 2018. Many are saying this is a day that will live in infamy. That's true. They say it will be remembered as the day the presidency, as a symbol of America's protection, died. But I see something else as the result here. I think we hit bottom. And if so, there's a blessing in that because there can be no more debate about which way is up. Donald John Trump delivered us here with a display of cowardly self-interest. His decision to choose to believe Vladimir Putin over his own government on the matter of Russian attacks on our election. As simple and as shocking as it was embarrassing to hear those words. But when it happened, everything changed. It was like the free world gasped. Now, we all knew that Trump wouldn't and maybe couldn't confront Putin about his attack on our democracy to anyone's true satisfaction, if only because Trump had disparaged the truth of the matter too many times before. And we thought we knew why. Because Trump conflates the attack with his legitimacy as president. But in all that, we never suspected that a president would betray his own country as an exercise in vanity. But then Donald Trump betrayed America. And after that gasp at Trump's perfidy came all the exhaled words of outrage and calls for justice. John Brennan, the former CIA director under President Obama, called it, quote, nothing short of treasonous. Now, that's a loaded word. The law does mention giving enemies aid and comfort as treasonous. And no question, Russia is an enemy for attacking our democracy. And what Trump did today does resemble aiding and comforting. And the law has very harsh penalties, including disqualifying the treasonous from holding office. But what's the reality? 
there will likely be no negative consequence like that for President Trump. No prosecution, no impeachment. And I'm not making a case here that there should be. My case is for something else that we're seeing in response that has been elusive. Why don't you run for office? As elusive as justice in America recently. And that is consensus. Right, left, and reasonable in our government, when they drew their next breath, they found a collective voice. And they shouted, no. No, Putin is not right. Trump is wrong. We believe our institutions. We trust in our democracy. Russia did interfere. We will not trade facts for feelings of legitimacy. We will not trade our conscience for conspiracies. No, party is not that important. The truth, however, is and i see a realization in this unity the realization is this the truth is a side and we were all on the right side in this moment in a way that i haven't seen in a long time and in that moment trump's luck ran out he wasn't going to escape through doubling down and insulting his way out of it he tried russia did this during obama servers are missing the fbi agent he's the real culprit it all washed over us like the whining of a child who won't go to bed. The GOP can't dismiss this as style and say, let's wait and see. We waited too long, and the world did see and heard what President Donald Trump said. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people. But uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what the president tweeted after as a rationale, it only cemented his mistake. So here's the good news. Here we all are on the same page about a fundamental truth. Russia attacked our democracy. We won't stand for it. We won't let the president say otherwise. But we're facing a question. Where do we go from here? But here's what we know for sure. You've got Republicans. You've got Democrats. And right now they're on the same page. And if they move together, they will wind up in a better place. All right. Thank you for that. <laughs> Whatever that was. Anyway, that was... Uh Chromo, uh, a clip from Chromo, and uh, I thought it was fitting to be on the show. Even though I may not agree with everything this guy says, that sounds good. Okay, here is Putin. Uh, I, this is, I mean, excuse me, not Putin, but uh, Mike Pence. Suck-ass Mike Pence, okay? I'm quoting him here, and he's saying, our president is now on his way home from a historic trip from Europe. I guess he's talking about the summit. Uh, and the truth is, over the last week, the world saw, once again, that President Donald Trump stands without apology as the leader of the free world. Donald Trump is not the leader of a free world. He could lead a, a couple of kids out to a waiting school bus. He is not the leader of the free world. That ain't going to happen. And Pence is just a, he's just the biggest, bigger joke than Donald Trump. It may be a bigger joke. I mean, we have to, folks, 
we have to talk about what's going on in that country. We just cannot uh, pretend like it's not happening. We cannot uh, go around like and ignoring what's going on because what's going on in Washington is going to affect you and everyone. You have to pay attention to what's going on in your country. I know some people say, well, George, you, you're always saying this, and you're always saying that, you post this and you post that. That's because I care about my country. I'm fighting for my country. I'm fighting to take our country. But as I've said, there are so many people trying to ignore the fact that democracy in America is in danger. You have to fight for your country. You can't ignore it. There, there are, I, I, I'm, I look at people every day who are ignoring what's going on in, in, in America, pretending like it's not happening, pretending as if they don't know or hear about it. Well, I don't know anything about politics, George. You don't have to know anything about politics to know that your livelihood uh, is in danger. You don't have to know about anything about politics in order to get out here and try to make things right. And there are a lot, a lot of people who try to ignore it, to ignore what's going on in the country, to not fight back, hoping someone else is going to come and lead them to the promised land. It's not going to happen. You have to fight for your country, especially when you got people in the White House and people in Congress who are complicit with each other and steadfast on bringing America to its knees. I don't think Donald Trump will ever be what he really wants to be, and that's a dictator in America, because he's shown that he's not a leader at all of any kind, of any sort. Anytime somebody lies 24-7, I mean, <laughs> you uh, makes you wonder. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We will be right back.
All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thank you for all your kind comments. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a comment about the show, make it constructive. You know, I know all the negative ones, but believe me, <laughs> make it constructive. All right, um, here we go. All right, author Lisa Pruitt on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hi, Lisa. Hi, George. It's good to be on here. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for coming. I mean, wow. So give us a little bit of your bio and tell us uh, a little bit about your, uh, I guess you're, you're an author? You, you have yes, a I am an author. Okay. Okay. Well, I am, uh, I'm a mom and a wife. I have two kids. Um, I'm very active in encouraging others uh, through challenges in their life. Um, I guess regarding the book, I started running at age 43 about eight years ago. So I've just told you my age on the air, so that's okay. Okay. Started running <laughs> around the age of 43. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I mainly wanted to start running just to get in shape. So that's what you, you know, mean I'm, when I you call at, That's what you mean when – I didn't mean to step on you, but – that's what you oh, mean no. when you're saying embracing the race. Yes, embracing the race of life. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, there's you know, there's two ways you can look at that, at the title. I mean, I, I love to run, and so in one way I'm embracing the race of running and trying to better myself in, in that way. But all of us, whether you lace up running shoes or not, you're all running the race of life. And this is what yeah, I discovered I when I started running is that there's so many parallels between running a physical race and, and it's exactly like we run the race of life. So when I started running, I noticed all these parallels and I could not get them out of my head. And finally, after three years of running different half marathons, different races, I finally put these what I call devotions into a book. So my book is called yeah. Embracing the Race, 40 Devotions for the Runner's Soul. Embracing the race is, is kind of uh, just living your life uh, 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 in a way. You, you're living your life to the fullest, and that could be construed as embracing the race in some way, but not physically running. But, uh, yes, exactly. I mean, I mean, we have a choice. We can either dread mm-hmm. life every day. Or we can just tolerate it, or we can actually embrace it. We can embrace the challenges. We can embrace the hills. We can embrace, you know, when storms come our way. I mean, as a runner, it is no fun running in the rain, but sometimes that's just what you have to do. And in the same way, yeah, a lot of times we go through storms in life, and you have to ju- you have to just go through them. Yeah, because once you've gone through the storm, the sunshine will soon be coming, barreling down on you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you appreciate the sun so much more after you have run yeah. a race in the pouring rain. Now, I've done that, and yeah. so that, that mm-hmm. gives you perspective. And in the same way with the race of life, when you've gone through some really, really hard stuff, it changes your perspective. Yeah. What about walkers? Uh, are they good for anything? Is a lot of people walk. Well, I'm actually, actually a combination. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a combination of the two. I do a, a combination uh-huh. of run-walk, so I'll run for about mm-hmm. – three or four minutes and then I'll walk for 30 seconds and that's the only way that I can keep going. If I just try to run continuously okay. without that walk break, I would, I would crash and burn. But there are times that I'm just doing nothing but walking. 
Yes, I think walking could be called your cooling down period. <laughs> Something that I say. Absolutely, we all need a cool down period. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that's a parallel right there. You know, if you're not taking times to walk in life and take little breaks and get filled up, then you're 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 going to fizzle out real real quick. Okay, let's say if somebody somebody is really down and out and they're just letting life just kick them in the butt, uh, how would you motivate them to get back in the race? Well, first of all, we're not called to live this life alone. I would definitely say the yeah. first thing is to get connected to other people who can encourage you. And if you're surrounded by people who are negative and yeah. pulling you down, then you got to get out of that and find some people who yeah. are going to encourage you and lift you up. So that, to me, yeah. that would be my first step of advice is, you know, get get with some people that can encourage you and find the good in you and and, and just realize that you have to take life one step at a time. It's not, it is definitely not a sprint. It is a, it is more like a marathon. Yeah. I, I try to tell people that all the time, if you want to be great, if you want to be, um, make something of yourself in life, you got to get rid of the negative voices in your head and the people around you that are, you know, you can't because there are so many people out here. Uh, there are a lot of people out here who do not want to see you get anywhere. They could be in your family. They may not want to see you get anywhere and will try to keep you back, hold you back. And even if they're family members, you've got to try to find a way to get rid of them. If you want to, if you think that you can be something uh, great in your life, you can't have negative people holding you back. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I mean, and you have to use discretion in how you do that. And sometimes you have to detach from people and set some healthy yeah. boundaries. And other times you may have to, totally just not be around some people at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we've all ex- we've, we've all at some point experienced that. So in your book, there's a lot of you in your book. I'm sorry, say that again, a lot of what now? Uh, in your book, uh, Embracing the Race, there's a lot of you in your book. Oh, yes, yes. You, yeah, uh, well, I guess, guess what I'm talking about is life experiences of you in your book. Yeah, I mean, I kind of weave in some of my own life experiences yeah. when I, as I've written some of these devotions. And, I mean, when I talk about going through the hills, you know, when the first time I ran through a park full of hills, it literally kicked my butt. I mean, I was sore for three or <laughs> four days. I, it hurt to even sit down on the toilet seat. But I realized yeah. the second time I ran through those hills, I knew where to, I knew where to slow down. I knew where to change my pace. So the hills didn't change, but my perspective of them did, and I knew what yeah. was coming. So I equate that to the hills yeah. of life. What are the predictable challenges yeah. you see coming your way? So when I see I, – I can see yeah. when my husband and I are going to get in a conflict. I can see it coming. Yeah. I can see it when yeah. I'm going to get into it with, with so uh, an extended family coming, member. If you see it coming, you can try to avoid it. Yeah, you, you could see it coming. You can either avoid it or you kind of yeah. have to change the way you look at it and you kind of have to get ready for it, knowing that, okay, this yeah. is temporary. We're going to get through this, just like the hills. I mean, yeah. a hill doesn't just yeah. appear out of nowhere. You see it coming, yeah. so you kind of have to brace yourself. Yeah. And I also so talked in my book about oh, – I'm mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. No, you can go right ahead. I'll ask that. Okay, well, like another example that I give, 
when um, when I ran through a half marathon in the pouring rain. I mean that that was one of those deals where you, you know you can pray all you want for the rain to go away, but it does what it's not going to go away, and you have to sometimes just face the fact you're going to get wet. And so I've been through trials yeah. in my life where I didn't want to, I did not want to go through that, but I had to go through it. It was you know sometimes other people's choices caused us to go through a storm. So I had to go through a divorce when I was a young mom with a baby, and that was one of the worst storms I've ever had to go through but I, I got through it and that definitely changes your perspective as well Good. so how is the book doing uh, overall the book is doing well I mean it, I'm a first time author um, I, you know when you do yeah. something for the first time you're not really sure how it's going to go and you have nothing else to compare it to but overall it is doing well it's, it was uh, published in November of 2016 but there are, I mean, there's some months where it seems to the the sales seem to go up more, and other months it's a little bit slower. It just depends on what's yeah. going on, and sometimes about if, if I do a speaking engagement, I see the the numbers go up, or if I'm, you know, if I do an event somewhere, people will take my business card and they'll maybe order the book later. But overall, it's it's doing well. So Great. Um, I'm just, you know, thankful for that. Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of books on Amazon and other places. They're just sitting there. It's great to see and to hear yeah. about your book. Your book is moving, and that's what you want. And I always say to people, keep your book moving no matter how old it is. Uh, uh, right. No one will come by and buy your book unless you do something to make them care about your book or what you do. You know, so. Right. Well, something else that I've done with my book is um, – Part of the proceeds from my book, I donate to Waterstep, and Waterstep is a local nonprofit in Louisville. It's in Louisville, Kentucky, where I live, and they help put uh-huh. clean water in developing countries. So part of my ten percent of anything I make, I, I donate back to them. Wow, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. And uh, where can we find your book? Well, if someone's looking for your book and we wanted to buy it or check it out. Where, where can we do that? There's a couple different ways you could get it. I mean, you can get it on Amazon. Okay. And uh, sometimes the price is, is lower than others. It just depends on what Amazon's doing that day. Um, yeah. It's also <laughs> available on my website directly from me if anybody okay. wanted to get a, a signed copy. And uh, my website is reststopforthesoul.com. All run together. So that's another way people could get it. I mean, it's on Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Um, Anywhere you get get books, you're yeah, gonna be, you, hopefully yeah. you would be able yeah. to find it. Yeah, it, if it's out there, it's on the web. You'll find it, and it's the title is "Embracing the Race." Yes, yeah, "Embracing the Race: Forty Devotions okay. for the Runner's Soul." That that's the subtitle. But you don't have to well, be look, a runner to be encouraged through this. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just a sort of like reflecting life in general. Yes. In a way. Uh, do you have your book yeah. with you? Or can you read That's us a idea. short sure excerpt? You bet. Okay, I sure will. Um, this this part of this devotion I'll read from is called What's Your Pace? So um, mm-hmm. now this is a common question you're going to hear among runners is what's your pace? And sometimes runners get very caught up in how long it takes to run the distance of a mile. So I could run at a faster pace at the start of a long race, but could I maintain that pace throughout the entire race? 
Absolutely not. If I started off sprinting with all my might, I'm going to wear out quickly, draining all my energy before I reach the finish line. So I pace myself, refusing to focus on those passing me quickly. Each runner is built differently with a unique speed, stride, and stamina, and similarly, we are all designed by God with different talents, attributes, and personalities. He didn't create you to run someone else's race. He created you to run your race at your own unique mm-hmm. pace. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds so good. That sounds so informative. And I want to suggest everybody, at the sound of my voice, to go out and get book. <laughs> All right, author Lisa Pruitt on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank you for doing this show. I want to thank you for holding on and calling back and uh, uh, just being a part of, uh, and with this great book, Embracing the, Embracing the Race. I think it's a, it's a book that everyone should read. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank Lisa. you. And I'm I going appreciate to you having me. Okay, I'm going to send you a link to the show. I'm going to send you send okay. you this link that that you're on. Maybe you can put it on your okay, website. Great. And they can come listen to you on this show on your website. So as soon as the show is processed, I'll get the link out to you. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. All right. Bye. All right, Lisa Pruitt on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Make sure you go out there and get her book, Embracing the Race. It sounds like it's a good one, folks. All right, commentary on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hate lies, have no homes here. Be nice to one another out there, folks. It is so easy. Let no one steal your hopes and dreams. They will. They will try, truly try to strive to become the best at whatever you do in life, become the best. If you're a janitor, be the best janitor you can be. If you are an executive in a corporation, be the best executive you can be. If you're a security guard, be the best security guard you can be. If you're a police officer, firefighter, doctor, dentist, be the best at what you can be. If you sweep floors, be the best at what you do. Hate lies have no home here. This is not a place where people come and lie and cheat. The George Walter Jr. Show is now on the air. Last week, there was actually a hearing in New York City for Donald Trump's Trump Foundation, uh, the massive civil suit that they are facing after defrauding their own charity and skirting the laws and basically using the charity as a personal piggy bank. Now this suit involves Donald Trump himself, uh, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Eric Trump. But anyway, during last Tuesday's hearing, lawyers for the Trump family actually tried to argue that the case, the trial, should be moved back, which is currently set for October, but they didn't want it to start We now have evidence that 12 Russian military officers orchestrated computer hacks to try to swing the 2016 election in then-candidate Trump's favor. The accusations are all laid out in stunning detail in a new indictment by special counsel Robert Mueller, and I want to walk you through some of them. First, the indictment says Russians hacked into the email accounts of employees and volunteers working on the Hillary Clinton campaign, like John Podesta but they also hacked into computer systems belonging to the Democratic National Committee and the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC. While there, they stole passwords. They tracked individual keystrokes employees made, even took screenshots of whatever was being viewed on the computer screens. 
Now, the indictment says the Russians wound up stealing emails, opposition research, and field operation plans for the 2016 election. At least one of the hacking attempts happened the very same day. Then candidate Trump said this. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. And because the Russians didn't just go after Clinton and the DNC, we now know they went after everyday Americans as well. According to the indictment, the Russians tried to hack into voting election systems, and in some instances, they were successful. In one state alone, although the state isn't specified, they were able to steal the names, addresses, and driver's license numbers, even partial social security numbers, of at least 500,000 voters. When they were done stealing what they could, the hackers set up fake personas like Guccifer 2.0 and DC Leaks to release the information. How is President Trump responding to the indictment against the Russians? He is not blaming Putin or Russia. He is blaming President Obama and the DNC. He says in an official statement, quote, these Russian individuals did their work during the Obama years. Why didn't Obama do something about it? Because he thought crooked Hillary Clinton would win. That's why it had nothing to do with the Trump administration. And this, where is the DNC server? And why didn't the FBI take possession of it? Deep state. Joining us now, the chairman of the DNC, Tom Perez. And of course, Tom, we know you weren't necessarily the, the DNC chairman at the time Correct. this hacking happened. But what is your reaction to the president's statement? Well, it's, it's breathtaking. You, you look at the depth and breadth of this indictment, and what you just mentioned, Anna, not only was this an attack on the DNC, this was an attack on democracy, the attack on uh, state election boards, the efforts to infiltrate secretaries of state databases. This was an attack on our democracy. And, and this president knew about it before he left for his trip to Europe. And he was still calling it a witch hunt. It's anything but a witch hunt. It's a frontal attack. It's, it's not about Republicans and Democrats. It's about the integrity of our elections. It was an act of war. And you see, as recently as this morning, he's already trumping up uh, more of these conspiracy theories, trying to distract from the matter at hand. And the matter at hand, and his intelligence community has been telling him this for a long time. The matter at hand is that Russia did this in 2016. They're doing it in other countries. They attempted to uh, turn the tide in the French election in 2017. They continue their attempts here. Why? Because the leader of our nation is allowing it. He is Putin's poodle, and he is not going to hold Putin accountable. That's unconscionable. And, and whether you're a Republican, Democrat, or Independent, this is not about partisan politics. This is about the most important thing we do in this country, holding elections. This is our democracy at stake. And according to this indictment, the hacking began in March of 2016. The DNC learned of it a couple of months later in May. Until now, mm -hmm. did you know to what extent hackers had been able to monitor individual computer activity for hours, apparently, down to each keystroke an employee made? Well, when I, again, I wasn't here in 2016, but when we learned that uh, there had been this uh, effort to infiltrate, uh, we immediately called in the best and the brightest folks to help us out. Uh, since I've gotten there, we've hired a spectacular uh, chief cyber officer. Cyber security is job one at the DNC, and not only at the DNC, but with our partners in the state parties who, uh, with whom we share our voter file. And, and, and the thing that I, is very clear to me is they succeeded before, they continue to try, they have uh, someone in this president who isn't going to hold them accountable, 
So why wouldn't you continue to try? You, you had great success in uh, undermining uh, the democratic process. And so that is what is just so puzzling to me about why he's even meeting with Putin on Monday. When, when um, Putin granted asylum to uh, Snowden in 2013, President Obama canceled a meeting that was on the books with Putin. That's what this president should do. And, and if he's not going to do that, he ought to hand him the indictment. He ought to demand the immediate extradition of these people involved. And let's be clear, the people named in this indictment were not low-level operatives. They are right-hand right people to Vladimir Putin. It is impossible military uh, officials. to suggest we, we that know he doesn't that. know. I want to ask you, though, specifically about what we're learning in the indictment, about how they did their hacking and the dissemination of these stolen documents and data. President Trump suggests there was you know, some nefarious reason the DNC didn't turn over its computer servers after the hacking was discovered. And in fact, in January of 2017, the FBI said the DNC had rebuffed its request to examine computer servers. Have you since then given the FBI no, that, or special counsel investigators that, access? This, uh, this today's tweet run. I don't know. We were going to have a little more fun tonight about this crazy name calling, but my God, this is yeah. much more important than the name calling, yeah. calling people, uh, you know, dead eyes. What's his name or whatever latest little moniker he throws at somebody. Joining me now is a very outspoken critic of the Republican plan, independent senator of Vermont, Bernie Sanders, who caucuses with the Democrats. He's also the ranking member of the Senate Budget Committee. Senator Sanders, uh, good to see you as always. President Trump is accusing Democrats of being obstructionists on the tax issue. He tweeted, quote, if Democrats were not such obstructionists and under... Hi, I'm Cheryl Jackson. Welcome to Your Voice. Today, we're talking about how to talk to your kids. So, in this video, I'm actually going to talk about how to get more reviews, which is a huge challenge for indie authors, um, but mostly because they're not asking. They're not asking for reviews, and they feel uncomfortable asking for reviews, or they don't know who they're... You have become perhaps the loudest voice calling for impeachment. The Constitution sets the grounds for impeachment as treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Which has the president violated? In an astonishingly blatant abuse of power, the President of the United States, a 